0: The word says, this is the day the Lord has made. Everybody say, has made. That's past tense. Church, before you got to today, God has already made it. No worries with God. God's not freaking out today. God's not thinking, oh, my goodness, how did this happen? Before you got to today, God already made the day. God has already made a way where there seems to be no way. Before you received that unexpected bill in the mail, God made a way. Before you got that doctor's report, God made a way. Before your family cussed you out and told you to get out of their house, God made a way. Before you cussed them out, I guess that's another thing I should say. No, not us. Before that man left you, lady, God made a way. Before that woman walked out of your life, sir, God made a way. Before the foundation of the world, God knew this day would be that day and made a way for him, for you, and his people. Now, what we've got to learn to do is rejoice and be glad in it because if God before us, who can be against us? Come on, somebody, shout about that. Now, I will tell you that um, there's a man in the word of God by the name of Abram. He was later, the name was changed to Abraham once he received the promise that he would become a father of a multitude father of a nation. And he was old in age. His wife, Sarah, Sarai at first, her name was also changed to Sarah. And they were promised to have a child, the two of them together. And she was up, advanced way past the the time of childbearing. And he was already 90 years of age. And so uh, this was something that would be impossible to take place. But God gave those two people a word. When God gives you a word, it's established forever. When God gives you a word, it's a done deal no matter what it looks like. No matter how tough and difficult the assignment might be, circumstances could say something contradictory to what's actually happening, but when God says it, it's going to happen. So he gives him a word and says, you're going to bear a child in your old age, and out of that child, you're going to, have a father, you're going to become a father of a multitude. And so she did. She became pregnant. And, um, and they had a son by the name of Isaac, which simply means my little laughter because she laughed when God spoke to her and said, you're going to have a child. She just couldn't believe it. She laughed and said, now my laughter has been turned into real joy. I was kind of mocking it, but now I'm happy. And this child's bringing us great joy in the advancement of our years. And so uh, they, that Isaac was raised, of course, by his parents. And one of the things that would happen yearly was that every single year, Abraham would take his son, his only son, to a place called Mount Moriah. And there they would go to sacrifice to God, an offering. At least once a year, they would make an offering before the, before the Almighty. And he was used to doing this. Isaac was used to do, it. Abraham had done it his whole life. Now, one day, God, God spoke to, speaks to um, Abraham and says, Abraham, he said... Um, I want you to bring your son to the mountain, but this time he's going to be the sacrifice. And uh, I want you to do this by faith for me. I want you to give and offer your son, who happens to be your promise. I want you to offer your promise, that which you love most, and give it to me. We don't know all the things that Abraham said about that situation. We just know that Abraham went ahead and obeyed God, no matter how his emotions were reeling on the inside of him. He takes his son, a couple other people to accompany him uh, with, with with the timber, the wood, of course, the fire. He has his knife to kill the sacrifice, which would be typical of the offering during that time. Isaac would suspect nothing different. But when they get to the mountain, he tells his servants, he said, You wait here, but I and the lad, we're going yonder to worship God. Watch these words. And we shall return. I don't know how God's going to make my promise come to pass. I feel like running in this church this morning. Even though he might be asking me to sacrifice this, my greatest sacrifice, all I know is that he speaks a word, it will come to pass. So we're going to worship, and I in the lab will return. Somehow, some way. God's going to do a miracle here. So they walk up into the mountain. They get to the place of sacrifice. They're there at the stone where they would always sacrifice, and there they would offer to God, and they would worship to God at that place. And Isaac starts getting wind, going, Father, we have the fire. We've got the wood for the altar. You have the knife to kill the sacrifice. But where is the sacrifice? He says to his son, the Lord shall provide. I feel like doing some jumping and shouting, and I'm not even there yet. Lord. Lord. The Lord shall provide. And so he says, okay, all we know about Isaac that he trusted his father and said, Son, get up on that altar. And he bound his son to the altar, probably with tears coming down his cheek. Probably the same that was happening with Isaac, wondering, what is my dad doing? Has he lost his mind? He puts him on that altar. There he's going to sacrifice. He takes the knife out of his sheath. He says, this is the moment I must obey God no matter what. He goes, draw back his arm to plunge it to his son's chest. And all of a sudden the angel says, stop what you're doing. The Lord has seen your faith today. Abraham, look over yonder. There's a ram caught in the bush by its horns. For the Lord has seen you this day. And he said to let you know, Jehovah Jireh has come through for you. You don't sacrifice your son. Take the promise off the altar. God provided for you a ram caught in the thicket by its horn. That shall be your sacrifice. And from that day forward, his name Jehovah-Jireh, which was a revelation who God was, which means this, church, it means that God's provision shall be seen. The God who reveals and uncovers the provision that has already been provided. I got good gospel news for you. It may look impossible, but God says, open your eyes. A miracle, a breakthrough is about to happen, and provision is coming to you. Everybody say, I got to open my eyes. Many times when God asks for something of you, you simply don't have either the ability or the resources in the natural. But church, when God asks something of you, it's not what comes from you, it's what comes through you. Let me make this statement. You are not required to have in your hand what God is asking of you. But you are required to start with what you have in your hand to offer him. Woo! So when he asks you to do something big and bold, you don't have it on you right then and there, do you? But whatever you do have, that's where God says, I want you to start right there. Amen. Moses is leading God's people out of, uh, out of Egypt and into the, the promised land. The land that was promised his people. God heard their cry and said, I've got to raise up a deliverer. And, they, and they gotta, he's got to lead them out of, of Pharaoh's kingdom and the hard taskmaster. And so he raises up Moses and he says, you go, to, you go now to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And so he knocks on the door of Pharaoh and says, it's time for you to let God's people go. And every single time, his heart was hardened, the Bible says, and he wouldn't do it. As a result, 10 plagues came over Egypt, but not one plague. You ought to have been here on Thursday night. I preached a message about coronavirus. Not one plague came and hit the people of God. And no matter what kind of plague comes on this earth, when you're a child of the living God, you are protected by the blood of the lamb. Somebody plead the blood in this place. I plead the blood in my family. And everywhere that death spirit saw the blood, it had to what? Pass over. Pass over. and No destruction. And death came to the people of God. And Moses says, let's go. They left. That was their sign. 10th plague. 10. There's always a sign of redemption. That's why your tithe is so important because it's always a sign of redemption. It redeems the other 90%. And so now they're going out. And the first hurdle they got across, now the major hurdle, is the Red Sea. They can't get across. They got no boats. They got no helicopters. They can't tunnel their way down. And here comes Pharaoh and his armies after them to take them back. The devil don't just quit like that. You got to take the devil's head off. You can't just let him just stick around so he keeps attacking you. And he said, Lord, what am I supposed to do? I don't know what to do here. And the Lord said, he said, "Uh, I know you don't have the ability, but I do. And he said, here's what we're going to deal with. Moses, what do you have? What's in your hand? A staff. Take what you do have. It's called operating in faith. And now take it and divide. He said, now point it over the waters and you divide the waters. God will anoint and bless what you have. God will anoint and bless who you are. Now, and when he pointed that staff or that water to his surprise, that water receded, and they all walked across on dry ground. But when the devil, I'm talking about the Pharaoh now, and his enemies started coming, the enemies of God come, coming against them, they went into the same water that the other ones went into. But this time, the watery walls came crashing down on God's enemies and destroyed them once and for all. And they left with the wealth of Egypt into the promised land. We just stopped right there because that one. <laughs> Jesus in the New Testament had done no works yet, no miracles yet. Time had not yet come yet. But he's invited to a wedding called the Wedding of Canaan. It was a big to-do. He's there. His mother's there. His brother's there. His family members were there. Everybody's there. And everybody was drinking the wine. They were getting into the party, right? And all of a sudden, all the wine was gone. And Mary said, uh-oh. And she walked over to Jesus and said, "Uh, son, we ain't got no more wine. He said, woman, what do you want me to do? My hour has not yet come. But you know, mothers are persuasive. Come on, someone say amen. And, And so he said, I tell you what, you don't have any wine? Nope, we're out of wine. Everything's gone, good, bad, inferior, all of it. It's all gone. He said, what do you have? We got some water and some water pots. He said, take the water, fill up the water pots and bring them to me. And when he took it and blessed it, the Bible said the water turned into wine. And they drank it and said, "How the fat, how is it that you left the best wine until last? Come on, somebody. Normally we start with the good and end up with the bad. Now we got the good all over again. And it's better than anything we've ever had. I'm telling you, God will make a way even when there seems to be no way. But what do you have to offer him? What can you offer God? Just touch your neighbor so he's talking to you now. <laughs> Jesus is preaching. You know, Jesus would be a little, little long-winded sometimes. You know, he's a, you think I preached too long. He, he preached. He preached for three days, the Bible said. Three days. Could you imagine if I preached for three days? How many people would be left here? You all know, like, I got to go to Rocky Rococo's across the street. I'm hungry. They hadn't eaten one thing, didn't eat anything, right? And so they're hungry. And, and Jesus said, we can't let them just go and away. They'll stumble on their piglet. They got to walk miles to get back to their house. I've been preaching and teaching and helping them and blessing them, but, but we can't let them go hungry. And they said, well, master, we can get some money together, but everything's closed. He said, that's true. He said, okay, you're telling me what we don't have. What do we have? Well, we got a little boy over here with a couple tuna fish sandwiches. He's got two fish and five loaves. But how's that against so many? Five thousand men, not counting women and children. We got over ten thousand people in this meeting, and we got two fish and five loaves. He said, Give me what you do have and let me bless it. So he took the two fish and the five loaves and he laid his hands, the Bible said, and he blessed it and gave thanks for it. He took it, he broke it in pieces, gave it to his twelve disciples. Now we got twelve smaller pieces. Ain't that just like our circumstances sometimes? We already had little, we asked God to help us out and now it looks smaller than it was. But if we hang in there in faith and don't doubt his work and his word, come on somebody, a miracle's about to take place. And they took out those broken pieces of fish and bread fragments, and they went out and they fed and they fed and they fed and they fed until thousands of men, women, and children had eaten their full. And now, then, that wasn't just enough for the miracle. When God does something, He don't just do enough. He is a God else shall die. He does more than enough with what you give Him. Took them. 12 basketfuls to retrieve the rest. And that little boy had to walk home with 12 basketfuls out of two fish and five loaves. Turn to your neighbor and say, what do you have? What do you have? There was a widow woman, not a little woman, a widow woman. And um, Elisha was sent to her house. The Lord said, "I want you to bless her, and she's going to bless you." And so he goes to this woman's house, and the first thing she's greeted with is he's greeted with is fear and lack and concern. What's going on? Well, my my husband died. You have to understand something. Back in those days, when a woman uh, husband died, that meant their security was gone. They they had no income coming, and women couldn't work like that. Maybe they get little little odds and ends for people, but that's about all they could do. Pretty much they became beggars. It's terrible, terrible way. And so her husband was dead, and they owed all this money. And now the debt was on her back. And she had two sons. We don't know their age, but we know they were living with her. So they had to be pretty young, kids, children, that they were about to take to what they call debtor's prison. And they would work and work and work because they knew she didn't have any money. But they would work to pay the debt off that she did owe. So she's concerned. I lost my husband. I'm about to lose my home. I got no food in this house. And I'm about to lose my children too. She is distraught. She's beside herself, doesn't know what to do. There's no welfare uh, community. She can't get help. And There was no shelter in those days. She's on her own. But God sends a man of God who represents the word of God to her household. And she tells him her plight. What is she doing? She's telling him everything that she doesn't have so he looks and says, "But what do you have in this house?" She first replies that I've got nothing. Now she knew what she had, but she understood that what she had had no significance; it could not possibly meet the need and the trouble that she was in. And so she says, "I've got nothing but a jar of oil in my cupboard." That's all I have in this entire house. But what is that against so much that I owe? Elijah said, bring it to me. He brings, she brings it to him. He sees the oil. He gets the word of the Lord. Now go to your neighbors. Knock on all your neighbors' doors and borrow vessels and not a few. Get as many vessels as you can. Bring them into your house. And now what you begin to do is begin to pour. You see, when you do what God asks you to do and give what you do have, God will give you a supernatural strategy. I don't know if you really believe what I'm preaching today. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. This is, this is Bible. This is all through your word. Little is much in the kingdom of God. A seed can become something you eat on for the rest of your life. One seed. So she's, she does it. She goes and she walks by faith. She's got to. And she gathers the vessels and brings them into her house. And then she takes the oil she does. And she begins to pour all by faith. Because you know that fear hits you. But it's going to end. I got twenty-five vessels, but I don't know what she had. I don't know how she had, but I got a lot of vessels, and I'm I'm going to pour just a little bit in one, and then what? She had to see that what the man of God was saying would come to pass, so she begins to pour, and she begins to pour. And she's pouring, and she's pouring, and oh my gosh, she fills up a whole vessel. She goes to another one, sets that one aside, goes to another one, and it begins, she begins to pour, and it begins to fill, and fill, and fill. She goes to another, sets that one aside, goes to another, and begins to pour, and pour, until she filled everything up that was empty that she had. Everybody say, it may seem empty, but he'll fill them up anyways. I may not have the resources, but he'll fill me up anyways. I may be broke as a joke, but he'll fill me up anyway. I may have more month than I've got money, but he'll fill me up anyways. I might have financial limitations, but he's going to fill me up anyways. It's not unto me, but now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works on the inside. I've been filled up with the Holy Ghost. I've got all the resource I need. Come on. Everybody say little is much. My God shall supply. I say, my God shall supply That means fill to the full all the way to the top. All my need according to his riches in glory, Christ Jesus. In other words, he don't fill up the need by by what I got in my bank account. It's according to his riches. And my God ain't poor. He's opulent. He walks on streets of gold. He's got a gate of solid perk. The gold is mine. The silver is mine," says the Lord. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Everybody shout, "Fill me, Lord!" God sent Elijah after he had been God hit him for a season against Jezebel. And he went to the brook called Sherith, the Bible says. And there God fed him with, by the ravens with bread every single day. Ravens would go collect the bread and bring it to him, and he would drink for the water from the brook. And he was there for many days until the ravens stopped showing up and the brook began to run dry. Most people see failure in that. But what you don't understand, spiritually speaking, is actually it's a transition. When stuff begins to dry up in your life, God is trying to get your attention. He's about to take you from one place to another place. Glory to God. And so he said, I got a place for you to go now. Listen to me. Go to Zarephath. And there you'll find a widow there. Another widow for another man of God. And she will supply for you. He's hungry. He got no place to stay. Knocks on the door of the widow. She opens the door. Actually, to be honest with you, before he goes to her house, he meets her outside the city, and there she's getting water from a well. Now it had not been raining on the earth, so the water was very precious at that time. And so he tells the lady, he says, um, "Give me a drink from the well." And she doesn't. She doesn't stop. She just says, "Okay." She doesn't say no, I'm busy, he didn't say there's not enough water. She just goes, Okay. And she goes on her way, turns her back, and goes to the well to get the water, retrieve the water from the well. And as soon as she does, he says unto the Lord, he said, He said, Hey, he said, I'm hungry too. Bring me some bread. You know, how men can be sometimes. And now here comes her story. See, when it was the water, there was enough water to get it for him. That was a problem. But when it came to bread, she didn't have enough food to eat for herself or her children. So now it becomes a problem. And she says, oh, Lord, I, my Lord, I cannot give that to you. She don't understand. So all I have is a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil and a couple sticks, as you can see, that I'm gathering. And I'm going to my house, and I'm going to make that little, that little oil and that little uh, flour. I'm going to turn it into some bread, one cake for me and my children. And then we're going to eat it. Watch her vision. This is her vision. We're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. She was hopeless, despondent, she was beside herself, same type of situation, a widow who had nobody to take care of her, and now somebody, a man of God has come and said, give to me what you have. Now, remember, the man of God represents the word of the Lord. Prophets always represent the word of God. So the word sometimes will demand of us things that we go, wait a second, ask somebody else, man. I'm broke. I got problems. I got physical problems. I can't do all that. Right? But God doesn't care. God's got a miracle brewing here for the two of them. He said, I hear your problem. I got what you're saying to me. He said, but hear the word of the Lord. If you'll go and make a cake for me first, your flour and oil will not run dry until God sends rain on the earth again. So the Bible says she does what the man of God says. She probably thought, what do I got to lose? At least I got some hope here. And so she goes and makes the cake and gives it to him. He blesses her. And the Bible says that woman never ran out of flour and out of, out of oil. She was making cakes for her, her children, her neighbors, her, everybody around her. She had more than enough to take until God sent rain upon the earth. Quit saying what you don't have. Quit talking that way. The kingdom always has more than enough. There's always a surplus. Amen. I want to preach longer, but I can't. I want to move now into the vision portion of what I want to share with you today. It's going to flow right into this. This morning, I want to share the next season of fresh vision here at Faith Builders. I was on the front row of our church. Um, uh, This had to be about a month and a half or so ago, a little, little longer maybe. Right here, worshiping the Lord on a Sunday morning. And as I'm worshiping the Lord, have you ever done this where you're not really paying attention? You know, you're there, your hands are clapping, you're singing the words, but your mind is somewhere else. Well, my mind was somewhere else. And I thought I was just daydreaming until I recognized God was showing me something, and it was an open vision. I was so just in it. I mean, I was heavily into this vision that I at first I just thought, I'm just kind of going through, I'm just kind of going through some stuff in my head. But in reality, it was actually God giving me a vision. He began to confirm it to me. So I'm standing there, and in the vision that I'm having as I'm worshiping the Lord, I was, I, was, I, was, I was me. I was walking around in what seemed to be like a very large school facility. Very large school facility. And I'm going through, and I'm looking at the class. Oh, wow, this is really nice. And the hallways are really wide. And I see the lockers, and oh, there's a gymnasium on this side. And, you know, I'm going through this school building, and I could see it just as clear as day. And then... As I'm going through that doing those that little vision, I kind of come out and say, "Well, Lord, what in the world? I need, I need to pray. I got to work. I got to preach here in just a second. So I need to get worship going here." And I went kind of. I just went right back into it again. And I saw myself walking around the school, and then I recognized, God, you're speaking to me something here. Because he had put something in my heart probably two, three years ago, and I kind of kept it there. You know, sometimes when God speaks to you something, you shelve it until the right time. And so I just kind of left it there, didn't kind of deal with it, didn't really pray about it much, I just kept it right there. And all of a sudden I realized, oh, my goodness, this is what you're trying to say. And there were several things that he spoke to me. I had to write them down very quickly, and then I began to meditate on these, and God gave me a little bit more. And there were several things that he began to put inside of me uh, based on that vision and what he'd been speaking to me the last couple of years. Number one is that our church is going to start moving in the direction of much more discipleship training than we've ever had in the history of this church. Our church, thank you. I believe it. It's going to be awesome. And, and this gets deeper, so just hang with me. And and we're gonna. Our church is very evangelistic. We're about winning souls. Always have been. Some of you been, you come to this church because you've been you got saved here from one of our productions or illustrated sermons. We'll always have that. We'll keep that. But what God's been speaking to me a lot lately is that we need to start training the people, uh, adult education, discipleship programs, electives on certain certain subjects to grow you to get you prepared for your future and so on. Then. The Lord spoke to me. He said, this is like this whole thing has to do with school and education. He said, the next thing I want you to do, he said, I want you to open a school of ministry. Now, amen. <clears throat> I want you to train future ministers that will either start ministries or be a part of the ministry, be a part of mission teams that will go out, uh, will be a part of, um, will be a part of planting churches and doing type things. Those kind of, will be a part of praise and worship teams, uh, everything that has to do with church and ministry. I want you to begin to raise them up. Many of those will be sent from here, and they'll do, they'll do their thing, and they'll come and and they'll honor the house. But also, there will be those that will stay here in this church, and those that will work closely with this church and become some. Sons and daughters, spiritual sons and daughters of our church, and he said that's going to that's gonna create the next wave that I want to happen, and that is you're going to start beginning to plant churches. So we can't plant the church. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a shout. We can't plant churches without raising sons and daughters because I don't have a desire to shoot, have a screen across town and shoot me on a screen. I wouldn't go to a church like that, Now I'm not against those churches. That's fine for them. I, if I wouldn't go to it, I can't I can't make that happen. I would much rather raise up sons and daughters that are loyal and faithful to the house, but they, they have their ministry expression somewhere else and that we help them out. So they have a, they have a certain, though, expression that's very much like faith builders wherever we go. I've had so many people over the years, I mean countless people, Say, would you be willing to start a church here? Would you be willing to start a church there? Because they leave here for work or other reasons, and they can't find anything like our church. And so, I felt the need to say, "Lord, it's time to do this." And He said, "Son, get the school of ministry going, and out of that will come the church planting." Now, the, the fourth thing here, Amen. The third thing here is even bigger than that. The third thing here, or just the fourth thing, the fourth thing is this. Are y'all ready for this? Because this rocked my world. This is what rocked my world. He said, I want you to start a Christian charter school, K through 12th grade, for our people, for our city, for our community. Amen. And he said, I want the emphasis to be on arts. Arts is a part of what we do, drama, that kind of stuff and really high education, and um, and that's one of the things that I look at and go, oh, my God, now, Lord, you just crossed my threshold. I know how to do the other stuff. This stuff, I don't put, my English isn't even that good. Come on, somebody. Education, but the Lord said he would bring the right people into my life and so this one here this one here obviously is going to take more time but we're starting the development stages this year to start just throwing the mud on the wall seeing what we can put a stick on the wall and then learning the process because when we started we wanted to be solid and strong and right but the Lord said I want you to begin to the kids need to be sheltered from the public school system many of them he said they also need to be trained in in me on their way up but also it's going to prepare them in education for where they're going to go so we're going to have real Really, really good high education. Give the Lord a shout of praise about that. So out of one vision, the Lord gives me four things, and just one. And just, I just knew it was the Lord. So that's all in, in the works. The school of ministry, we're believing God this year, September. Uh, the education, that's going to happen over the summer. So we're. we're gonna, I'm talking about the, the Christian education, the adult education, and uh, classes and so on. So that's going to begin to happen right away. The rest are going to take a little bit of time, but we're, we're going to move in the right direction. Now here's the part that God told me during this whole season that has to happen, and it has been in me for two years. But I have not had the green light to do it until now. And he said, it's time to get the church out of debt. Yeah. Now, I will tell you this. <clears throat> we, those that don't know our story, you know, uh, we owe $2.2 million on this facility God did a miracle knocked off 1.1.2 uh, off this we bought it for 1 million dollars so he shaved off 1.2 but we added a, another 100,000 because we had to put the roof on so our loan was 1.1 so we got a miracle over a million dollars miracle cut right in half so we know God is in this and at the time I wanted to start something debt free then but I thought it just didn't feel right the time wasn't then but now he's dealing with my heart I think because we're moving into a new this new season we had to be debt free but also, you never know how the economies of the world are going right now. You just don't know what's going to happen. we got to make sure we secure that. And, and, and I asked him, how? How are we going to do this? I, I said to him, i must be honest. I just don't see how this is going to happen. He told me this. He said, I'm your source. The money doesn't come from the people. It comes through the people. Don't look at what people have. First of all, you don't know what anybody has. But second of all, he said, it doesn't matter if they don't have it. And then he led me to the scriptures I gave you today about the widow woman and what she didn't have, but she had something. And you start with that, and that act of faith triggers the miracles to begin to happen, okay? Then he laid out the plan for me for that act of faith, that first act of faith. Um, and the Lord gave me a two-phase process over a three-year period, Okay. The first phase, and we're going to reiterate these things over the months to come. This is just the beginning. First phase is to completely stabilize this church by taking care of our mortgage payment of nearly $7,000 a month right off the top. Lord said, if we'll do this and get that thing so we're stabilized financially... But then what, we can, what it does is it's an act of our faith by saying everybody does not share to take care of that. If we'll do that, it's like God will begin to open the doors for more to begin to happen. Now, there's a reason for this, and he began to show me the reasons, and they're very natural. Um, by this, we're creating new, a new stream of, of income so that we, we never get into financial rough waters. Also, and this is very important, our five-year balloon loan matures in May of 2021. So we have just a little over a year. Typically, when you go into corporate um, uh, bank loans, it's a five year process and you have to re up it and you got to negotiate. Right now, we're at 5%, which is incredible, right? So you negotiate it and they always want to negotiate you higher, which means we have higher payments a, a month. So, <clears throat> May 2021, 20, um, that matures which means we'll have to seek a new lender, which is typical of two things that the bank will want to see. Number one, they're going to see a down payment. So that's about $200,000. We want to make sure we have that in the bank so we're able to do that. By the way, that $200,000 will knock down our million to $800,000. We're just whacking away at it, which is really good, okay? Plus, it lowers our monthly payment, which we take that extra and keep slamming it back down on the loan, okay? But the second thing the bank will look at here in about a year or so is that they'll look to see if we have a building campaign. This was a big thing five years or four years ago when I, went, when I went through this process. They want to see a building campaign that shows a history of finances coming in over and above the normal church giving, okay? When they see this, it gives us negotiating power for better interest and better terms. They just see a different flow coming in, which say, oh, they can handle this with no problem. The third thing is it positions us for complete and total debt freedom. And that will cause, it becomes the seed for the miracles to begin to break loose in our church financially, amen? Now, what I'm gonna tell you this, it's so easy that you're gonna go, huh? It's so simple, you're gonna go, are you kidding me? Thank God we have a church more than 50 people, right? And not this big, we have hundreds of people that come to our church. So how can we do this? Here it is, if 300 people This is talking about that, that I'm talking about taking care of that mortgage right off the top. Look, we do this, what you're saying is, preacher, don't worry about it. We got it. Don't worry about it. We're going to take care of that right off the top always. And that shows, it shows our credit history. It will show us that, show the banks that, wow, they're serious about doing this. This is is allotted to take care of the mortgage alone, okay? Watch this. If 300 people give $5.55 a week, now that is the cost of a latte, That is a cost of a Big Mac and a fry or something. I don't have all the costs in front of me. It's $5.55. One week. For some of you, it would be a sacrifice. You're not going to get that. You're just going to to get that tall, venti, whatever you get. But you're going to say, this is for the Lord. I'm not going to have this today. That's for God. Or that sandwich or that lunch. You might fast one lunch a week. However you're going to do it. For some of you, this is nothing to you. You'll you'll want to do more. But for for some of you, that's a big deal. And God sees that, and he knows it's not what you don't have. It's what you do have that makes the difference. And then the miracle, poor, 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 until that woman had so much that she sold that oil, paid off all her debt, and then she retired and lived on the rest. That's how God does it. $5.55 a week. That is, for those who want to do monthly, it's $24.05. 24 dollars and a nickel a month. That is eighty-six thousand. Watch this. See how fast this goes. That's eighty-six thousand five hundred dollars a year that we would be normally paying in our mortgage. That's completely taken care of. No more. Watch this. Then whatever money we still run the ship tight. Okay, we don't spend a lot of money. Run it tight. Then what we do is whatever money that we save every month, we put it right into the right into the our savings, and we start knocking down that payment with what we have. Okay, our Passover, our atonement offerings, will no more be for projects. It'll be for one project, and that is for paying this building off. So now we'll raise money just to do that (laughs) until we're debt-free. So today, if you want to get involved or you want to pray for about this week, here's what we want you to do. Our ushers are going to come up and down the aisles. If you'll raise your hand, please. Now, before you raise your hand, um, I need you to understand something, and I'm asking you to just think about this. Um, I would really appreciate if it was one person a WAP. In other words, five fifty-five per person, not $5.55 per couple, because we won't be able to get to that number if we do it that way. I want to encourage some of you, because some of you got, you, you're God's blessed you, and you might want to say, well, I can, I can do my wife and my children. I have two children, and, I, and you can do it, and it wouldn't be, no, it would be no hardship for you. If it's too much, don't worry about it. But if you can do that, separate and say, for me and my wife, this is what it is. So it'll be whatever that cost is. You add the 555s together. That's what it is. Or for my children, I'm put that together. And it's going to be. We're just going to go for a hundred-dollar bill every month. That's what we're going to do. That's going to be our part. Somehow, some way, my faith is this: we're going to reach the goal. If you're not going to do it, I love you anyways. I'm still going to minister to you. I'm still going to do what I what I've always done. And 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 nobody ever has to feel like they got to do something. Oh, they're going to look at me sideways. No, we won't do that. If you don't have it, you don't have it. If your faith isn't there, your faith just isn't there. But I believe in time; it, it'll get there. It'll get there. But we're looking for that commitment uh, today. And somebody said, "Well, I can't do it today, Pastor. But I'd like to take the card and I'll pray about it this week." We want you to do the same thing as well. So, ushers, if you'll come, if you'll wave your hand or just put it up in the air, they'll be. If you'll be patient, they'll take the card from you. Um, or give it to the card to you rather. Um, those of you that uh, don't have a pen uh, you can go online right now or sometime today. At myfaithbuilders.com myfaithbuilders.com slash together. Together. That's the name of our campaign. We are better together. Okay. So myfaithbuilders.com slash together. You can fill it out right online. We will get it. If you are watching us uh, and you're part of our online campus and you say, man, put me in. I had pastors that actually, we told them about this. They said, count us in, one each. We're going to be part of your, what you're doing over there. Okay, praise God. And they don't go to church here. These are my friends. So if you're watching us today and you want to be a part of it, it's myfaithbills.com slash together. Take the card. If you're not ready to commit, take it and pray about it this week. Ask the Lord what you should do. And uh, we're going to go from there. So two phases. This is the first phase. Let me read the scripture while you're doing this, guys. This is so powerful. Put it on the screen, guys. First Chronicles, there it is. Moreover, because I've set my affection on the house of my God. How many loves God's house, right? He said this David said, I have given to the house of my God. I've given because my affection's there. Over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver, 3,000 talents of gold, of, of, of the gold of Ophir. And 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses. The gold for things of gold and silver for things of silver and all kinds of work to be done by the hands of craftsmen. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? He's asking the people now, who can consecrate themselves as I am? Then the leaders of the father's houses, leaders of the tribes of Israel. Watch this. The captains of thousands and hundreds of hundreds with the officers over the king's word offered Willingly, they gave for the work of the house of God 5,000 talents, 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. And whoever had precious stones gave them to be to the treasury of the house of the Lord into the hand of Jehiel the Gershonite. Then the people rejoiced, watch this, for they had offered willingly, because with a loyal heart they had offered willingly to the the lord and king david also greatly rejoiced or rejoiced greatly so when you willingly do something not made to do it just go wow we can all do this together we can just take care of this thing and now we can we're moving sailing good now we're starting to hit hit the principal on our on our on our payment and get this thing down and then totally pay it off we can get it done guys it's actually something feasible so we're taking that first action step. we got our little oil, and we're starting to pour it right now to see God do a miracle. Amen?